Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Hey, let me ask you something. What do you know about donor milk? Do you know anybody who has used donor milk? Have you ever donated donor milk? Have you ever thought about donated breast milk in any terms outside of the NICU? So I have to be honest, when... I heard the term donor milk, my brain has been conditioned, and I'm not sure exactly where this started, but I automatically go to the NICU. Today's conversation, I hope, is going to be as insightful for you as it was for me. I'm so excited to be being joined by Sterling from Loyal Lactation, and we're talking all about donor milk, what you need to know about the process, where you can get it, how you can sign up to be a recipient or a donor, what is the process that the milk goes through, who's eligible, how do you find out more information, is this available in your area? There's so many questions that people have about donor milk, if they even know about donor milk. For so many Americans, people have either never heard of it or, much like me, prior to this conversation, I really associated it, like I say, with the NICU. So you guys, without further ado, I'm stoked to have on Sterling. So Sterling, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this conversation today because, you know, I think it's a conversation that... I don't think a lot of people know about it, first of all. And then I think when you do know about it, it doesn't get a lot of light. And so not a lot of people think about it um, or you learn about it too late. So um, before we dive into the donor milk conversation, tell us who we're talking to today. Like who's behind the microphone? Okay. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Sterling Gay Simmons. I am a certified breastfeeding specialist and also a full spectrum doula. And I am in the process of getting everything submitted to become a lactation consultant as well. So hopefully I'll have those letters to throw behind my name as well here soon. Um, I'm the owner of Loyal Lactation. I have been supporting mamas 
uh, and families with reaching their breastfeeding goals and providing them breastfeeding education since 2016. Nice. I started my business in 2016 too. I feel like doing the um the Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, woo, yeah. you know, like, yeah. The 2016 business is like go. we made it through the pandemic. We're on the other side. Like on the other side. Woo, we did it. Um. Okay. Cool, Sterling. I'm so excited for this conversation. So I think donor milk is pretty self-explanatory. It's breast milk that someone has donated to you, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the question for a lot of people is. Why would I choose donor milk? What situations would, you know, call for a family to need or explore the option of donated milk to them? That's a great question. So there are a lot of instances where donor milk might be a great choice. So obviously a lot of people are aware of donor milk in a hospital situation. So um, if you have a premature baby, obviously they are going to recommend that your baby has breast milk, which is going to be donor breast milk if mom is unable to express to prevent um, certain health issues that can be associated with providing formula to babies that are not able to process formula. So they typically are okay with donor milk as it is in a hospital setting. But there are other instances where I've had a client whose baby had a pretty severe tongue tie and we were unable to get it clipped. There was a little bit of a time between the provider she wanted to use and where we were at that moment in time. So the fact that he was not able to latch onto her breast effectively and help her move the milk so that she could make milk, her body was kind of slow. She also had a C-section. So, you know, pretty, it was a lot of factors that were kind of contributing to her low milk supply. Um, And she was able to get in contact with one of my clients who had like, who could fill her freezer in like three days. Um, And she was able to supply her with donor milk so that she could supplement with breast milk while she was still pumping and trying to make her supply, you know, pick up in between that time before they had the um, phrenectomy. Um, there's also those instances where you have people who just are unable to produce the amount of breast milk that they are that they need or that they are able to exclusively breastfeed. I've also had clients who are um, adoptive families who want to breast give their baby breast milk. Let's say I had a baby before and I breastfed all of my other children and I want to make sure that my adoptive child has the same experience. Or I even had a dad whose wife unfortunately passed away in childbirth and they had done all the breastfeeding classes and breastfeeding was very important to her. And in her memory, he made sure that he was able to connect with a donor to make sure that their baby had um, exclusive breast milk the whole time that they were uh, breastfeeding or the whole time they were drinking milk. So there are a lot of circumstances where it can be very beneficial, but um, it's just like you said, one of those things that a lot of people don't really consider. It's a tool in your toolbox, right? And I think mm-hmm. that you did a really great job right there illustrating that it can be a, a temporary stepping stone to help you get to your, your goals, mm-hmm. um, or it can be a permanent solution for your family. So you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned 
about kind of birth trauma, birth experience, and mm-hmm. how that may impact your milk supply. Can it we is. dive into that? I know that's a yeah. little bit of a right turn here, but I think people should know the more interventions you have, if there's any birth trauma, if you do need a surgery, this is going to impact your milk supply, which may make you feel inadequate, like you can't breastfeed, like your body's Mm -hmm. not working with you, but with the right support, you could actually do that. And donor milk might have a role in keeping your baby on breast milk until you reach your goals. Agreed wholeheartedly. So I think that C-sections are one of the things that people don't, aren't made aware of until after the fact that it can negatively affect your breast milk supply. Um, There's a lot of other interventions, but C-sections and IV fluids are probably like the two biggest ones that can contribute to, you know, your success or your failure. But basically with, when you have a C-section, your body has a delayed um, reaction to start producing milk. Oftentimes when the mama has a C-section, you know, especially if it's an emergency C-section, those numbers significantly skyrocket versus a planned C-section because of the stress. But if she has an emergency C-section and now she's thinking, oh my goodness, like for me, a lot of my clients are planning home births. So now all of a sudden you go from having a home birth to now you get to the hospital and they're telling you you have to have a C-section and then you're having all these experiences that aren't the way you thought they were going to be. And then now when you have the C-section, it's two hours before you get to hold your baby. That is going to cause you to, your body to react slower to creating the milk. Um, It is very important to get that first hour of breastfeeding in. Um, That golden hour is so important when it comes to just getting an effective latch and getting breastfeeding down packed. Um, So even if you're having a C-section, it's important to talk to your doula or whoever's going to be in your room with you or be your advocate for yourself and just let them know, hey, I still want to get this skin to skin. While you're doing whatever it is you're doing, hand me my baby and let me see if I can get them to latch. Um, If they are, there are concerns about, you know, their ability to hold the baby, you know, somebody else can help them, uh, but they can breastfeed immediately after or sometimes even while they're still in the room, in the OR. Um, but yeah, those, those, those interventions can definitely cause issues. Like I said, with the, like the delay of onset milk production, uh, basically because the body did not, the baby did not come down the birth canal. And sometimes your body just doesn't realize that you have had the baby. Um, and also some of the, um, drugs that they give you have been known to prolong certain things. So yes, C-sections can definitely cause issues with milk production she also may be in more pain obviously because she had major surgery and she might also be groggy to where now she still doesn't feel confident in her ability to hold baby to sit up and you know be in be in the best positions and all that type of thing so all of that definitely plays a role in how she is going to handle breastfeeding um explain to us why IV fluids make a difference yeah so IV fluids they don't necessarily make a difference for 
breastfeeding. But what I will tell you is that a lot of people that, especially those those who have hospital births, they go in the hospital and as soon as they're in the hospital, they hook them up to the IV fluids and they tell mama, oh, you may want to take your ring off because your hands may swell, you know, your feet may swell. Don't be alarmed if you see any swelling. But then what they don't tell you is that some of those fluids transfer to baby as well. So now when you have baby and the first thing they do is weigh your baby <laughs> and now your baby is full of all this fluffy stuff, you know, just like you. And then they're documenting this. And because you're breastfeeding, they're like on you about weight and making sure that you're keeping up with this weight when your baby had X amount of extra fluids. And now you go to the pedi pediatrician a few days later and they're like, oh my gosh, your baby's lost all this weight. You have to supplement immediately when really all they did was have a good pee and a good poop. And this is what they actually weigh. So I tell my clients to aim to get, um, to have, I tell them to wait on the weight. So we want to wait at least 24 hours before we are weighing the baby so we can have a more accurate time. If the hospital will not allow you to do that, um, I tell them to go off of their going home weight when they're going to their pediatrician. That way they have a more kind of idea of actually what their baby weighs and they won't be pressured as quickly <laughs> to start supplementing um, because a lot of them, they don't even give them the full 14 days to get back to birth weight. And you are allowed to say no to anything, you guys. You're anything. allowed to have... That autonomy, right? Uh, just yes. like hearing providers say we don't allow you to do that just irks me yeah. out a like, little yeah. bit. It really does. I'm <laughs> like, you work for me. You, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so if we run into the, the these kind of complications um, or we run into a space where we think donor milk might be appropriate for us, where do we get it? How do you get donor milk? Is it something your hospital provides? Is it something you need to seek out? Um, how do we get it? It depends very much from place to place. So for me, I'm in Georgia. I'm about 25 minutes from Atlanta. Excuse me. And we do not have a milk bank. I know people think Atlanta has everything, but we do not have a milk bank. And the closest ones are in Tennessee and Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. And the two that I know for sure, the one in Birmingham, Alabama, does not sell milk to individuals. They only get the milk from people who donated it, and then they sell it to hospitals. And that is all they do. So wait, 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 have... wait, wait. Pause here. Pause here. They are having milk donated for free mm -hmm. from women. Yes. And then they are selling it to hospitals for a profit. For a profit. It's like Goodwill. I am giving you something for free and then you sell it to people who need it. Yes. Okay, proceed. So now <laughs> they will say that they are selling it because they have to pasteurize it they have to test it they have to do all these other things but they do get a profit to sell it to the hospitals um there are other ones who will sell it to i'm not sure if the one in tennessee does it but some some milk banks will sell it again to mothers so yes they're getting this milk donated to them some milk banks will give a mom a certain amount of money it really just depends on how they're set up 
um, but they do typically sell it back and it can be anywhere from a dollar to $3.33 per ounce if you buy it from a milk bank. <laughs> wow. So obviously, you know, that is probably not going to be sustainable for most people when you're thinking like, you know, hey, my baby is probably going to drink at least 48 ounces today and I can't pay $3.33, you know, <laughs> an, an ounce for that. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things that a milk bank may not be the perfect way. Um, there are some options. I know in Georgia, they passed a bill recently. I cannot remember the numbers, but um, it basically provides donor milk for babies who are born extremely low birth weights. And I believe they can get it from the hospitals. And so basically their pediatrician or um, OB would write them something saying that, hey, my baby was born at, you know, these pounds, this many ounces. I need this donor milk to make sure that, you know, they're good. Um, and I would assume they only get it from the hospitals because again, we do not have a milk bank. Um, another version of um, getting donor milk is the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, aspect of it, which is more so what I do. So again, I do. we don't have a milk bank in Georgia. So I have had so many instances where other birth workers or clients are reaching out to me and they're looking for donor milk. So one instance, um, a midwife who has passed on, unfortunately, she delivered um, a mom and mom was hemorrhaging and she did not have a partner. So the midwife stayed at the house while mom was transported to the hospital and mom again wanted to breastfeed and she's like Sterling I need you I need you to find somebody come over here <laughs> so we can you know get this baby some breast milk I ended up calling one of my clients it was like 9 30 at night I ended up calling one of my clients she was like I don't have a lot of milk pumped but I can ride with you and I can pump the whole time while I'm on my way and we can make sure that we give this baby some milk. And we ended up on the phone with mom and mom was like, do whatever you have to do to get milk into my baby. And baby actually latched on to her and was able to help her to where now she can pump the other side and have more milk to save for later. So that was more so like the peer to peer. I also have clients who, like I said, who had the um, C-section and needed a little bit of support and I can call and say, hey, I need this amount of milk and she would be like, sure, get whatever you need to get out of my deep freezer and take it to whoever needs it. So peer-to-peer -peer is a great aspect of it. Um, obviously, there are people who have concerns or like, well, what? how do you know what kind of medication this mom is on and how do you know it's actually breast milk and, you know, all those types of things. Um, so it really is on kind of a trust system when you're doing it peer to peer. You can obviously do like blood work and things like that if that is something that you want to do. Um, you can also check like Facebook groups where they're specifically for buying, selling and donating breast milk or receiving donated breast milk. And I also made a post recently about an app called Utterly where they were showcasing that they have come up with basically like the Google Maps of <laughs> breastfeeding, looking for donor milk. So you can type your area in and you can um, 
find who has milk to buy or for sale or for donation in your area. Nice. That is awesome. Okay. Can we dive into a little bit of that safety aspect? You talked about it being based on a trust system. Talk to mm-hmm. us about what that would look like. We found somebody that we um, want to or think might be a good candidate. Now what? Are we having a video call with this person? Are we meeting them in person? Are we setting up a long-term plan? Do we pay them you know, per month, do Mm -hmm. we schedule pickups? How does it look for people to have this relationship with a donor? It looks different person to person. So obviously, let's say if you're looking for donor milk, hopefully you have somebody in your community or your friend group, maybe that might be where you want to start, where say, hey, my friend has an oversupply. And she told me that, you know, I can get as much milk as I want to get. And then that way it's not necessarily a stranger. And you know this person's lifestyle, you know, you know, how they handle themselves, things like that. That might be where you want to start if you have, you know, safety concerns, obviously. Um, if you are doing research on like um apps or Facebook groups, some people have like donor profiles where they're telling you, hey, I get lab work done every X amount of weeks. Hey, I donate to the hospital and they make you fill out this and have all this stuff taken. Here's my paperwork. You can see that I actually do this and I'm not trying to scam you. Um, they also can just, if they're, let's say I have some clients who are vegans. So they're like, Hey, I'm looking for another vegan mama. And I just want to make sure that, <laughs> you know, we're pretty much on the same, um, same kind of wavelength as it pertains to, what type of milk they feel like they'd be offering to their child. Now, if they're looking for a kind of a staircase where they're just like, hey, I just need a stepping stone to get to where I'm looking, where I'm trying to go, they may just say, hey, I can meet you at Target or I can meet you at the fire station, you know, a neutral ground. Or if you're comfortable enough, hey, come to my house, get as much as you want out of the freezer. Uh, those types of relationships can be, like I said, they can be something that's where it's just, I only need this one or two times, or it can be, hey, every time you need milk, let me know. I fill this freezer up. It's no problem. Um, some people ask for payment as like as how many ounces I have. Hey, I have 100 ounces. I'd like at least $100. Somebody else may say, I'm charging $2 a bag, you know, whatever, whatever you're looking for. Um, and other people may say, hey, I don't really want payment, but I would like for you to replace the bags so that I'm you know, <laughs> feel like I'm getting something out of this because at the end of the day, pumping is a lot of work. Other people may say, hey, I'll give you bags and I'll replace your pump parts. So it just depends on what you as the donor are looking for um, when you are making that agreement. Cool. I love that. Okay, let's talk about a little bit more um, what other things we may be looking for in breast milk. I think some things are obvious. Maybe you do or don't care that they drink or, mm-hmm. um, you know, do drugs, dairy. What are some other things people might consider? Gluten, maybe, mm-hmm. or soy, anything yeah. like that? All of those things play into it if you have that mama. So I usually ask like, hey, are there any dietary restrictions? Like I've had some clients who are Muslim. So obviously they don't eat pork. So they may say, hey, I want somebody who doesn't eat pork so that I can make sure that my baby is staying in alignment with our faith. 
Um, recently, this may be a little bit controversial. I have seen people who are looking for people that are or are not vaccinated um, oh. from COVID. So yeah. it depends, you know, if you, whether you are or you're not, you might want somebody who is in line with what you, what you have done for yourself. So those are definitely choices. Um, like I said, vegan or pescatarian or no dairy. So I've had, even that's another reason too, that somebody might choose donor milk because they're waiting to get, the baby has been diagnosed with a dairy intolerance and they're waiting until they have all the dairy out of their system and they can't use the milk that they have previously pumped because their baby has a dairy intolerance. So now she's like, Hey, I just need something to be a filler while I'm, you know, getting, letting this cycle out of my system. So that's another reason too, that somebody might choose um, donor milk also. That's also a beautiful way to give your milk that you've pumped away. If your baby mm-hmm. can't use it, give back to the community that is supporting you and, and giving yep. to you. I give think that's else. what, Yeah, I think that's what kills me about these milk banks because you're taking from our community for free. Free. And then you're profiting off it of is, an I'm telling you, it is very much goodwill. Like, <laughs> I'm going to give you something for free, and then you are going to decide what it's worth and then sell it back to somebody else. All milk banks are like that? Um, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say all of them are like that because some of them I do know will pay the moms a certain finder's fee or you know however because a lot of them have um minimum requirements so they'll say hey you have to donate 150 ounces uh, of milk so some of them may have that that in there where they're saying I'm going to give the mom this amount of money or this stipend or whatever and some of them are just like hey this is strictly donation give me whatever you have and we'll take it and we'll pasteurize it because that is not a cheap process and we'll lab test it and we'll do all these things, but we're going to bottle it up and we're going to ship it out and sell it to these other places. So is it weird that milk banks, or maybe just explain to us the science behind it, because I certainly am unaware of (laughs) why are we pasteurizing breast milk when it doesn't get pasteurized right out of the breast to our babies? They're basically pasteurizing it because from my knowledge, they do what's called milk pooling. So they'll get milk from me, they'll get milk from you, they'll get milk from somebody else, and they'll put it all in the container and then mix it together to kind of evenly distribute milk. And then they pasteurize it and heat seal it to like make sure nothing gets in it, I guess, in transport. Um, But I don't, I don't really have all the answers on that but they do pasteurize it and I do know that they do milk pooling so it's not just one person's milk you're getting wow that is so interesting I bet a lot of people don't know that I bet a lot of people don't know that uh, yeah about being a donor recipient but also I bet not a lot of people know how that donor milk bank works works yeah when I had my first child, um, I was 21 years old. I had no idea about breastfeeding. Um, and as soon as he was born, we didn't even breastfeed in the first hour, um, which I tell people, I know this has nothing to do with what I was getting ready to say, but in that first hour, it's important for them to breastfeed because 
they have that suck swallow reflex. And if you wait any wait after that first hour, they're focusing on breathing, they're for focusing on, you know, their new environment. They may not have that suck swallow as intensively as they had fresh out of the womb because that's all they're doing while they're in utero is sucking and swallowing. Um, so that's why it's super important to breastfeed them in that first hour. But with my oldest one, they held him up as soon as he was born, showed him to me and then whisked, whisked him out of the room. And I told my husband, I was like, go with him. I don't even know what my baby looks like. Like <laughs> go with him. He was gone for about 45 minutes. Um, while he was gone, the nurse came back in and she was like, you're breastfeeding, right? And I said, yes. And she came back and brought me a hospital grade pump and hooked me up to the pump. And I thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing. So as soon as they brought him back, they're like, mama, he's sucking his hands. He's hungry, feed him. So I'm thinking, you know, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. They had me hooked up to the pump the whole time that I was in the hospital. So much so I had to send him to Walmart to get one of the little igloo coolers to put all of the little milk valves in because I'm just hooked up to the pump. So fast forward, I pretty much gave myself probably a Guinness World Record book oversupply. I used to pump a gallon of milk every day and it was, you see, I don't have a whole lot of chest. <laughs> Um, it was miserable. I used to put him to sleep and I would wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and everything would be wet. The bed would be wet. I'm wet. He's wet. My husband's wet on the other side of the bed. Everything smells like milk because he's on this boob and this side is just shooting like a fountain. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> and I used to have to get up, take the sheets off the bed. We all had to take a shower and then, you know, put sheets back on the bed get back in the bed and go back to sleep all in the middle of the night. But um, I had so much milk in my freezer. We had two freezers and they were full and I didn't have any, any room for food at that point in my freezer. And my husband was like, you have to throw this away. And I was like, no, I'm throwing this away. What's wrong with you? And he's like, girl, we, we don't have any room for anything. <laughs> we're not going to be able to eat. He's like, you, he's like, you gotta find something somewhere else to put this. And I mentioned it to my pediatrician and the pediatrician was like, you can, you can um, take it to the hospital. The hospital will take it. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the hospital and I have like one of the big rolling coolers and I'm like, Hey, I have all this milk. Here you go. And then it was years later, somebody was like, you know, you could have sold that. And I was like, what? <laughs> Do you know what I could have done with that much money when I was 21 and a college student with a newborn? So yeah, people don't realize that, you know, they can sell it or they don't realize that basically the hospital is going to sell it to somebody else essentially, or um, pretty much, you pretty much think, I know for me, I thought when I donated it, I thought that it was going to go right into some freezer or something. And then a NICU baby was going to get it. I didn't think about the pasteurization process. I didn't think about, you know, that the milk bank was going to charge them for the pasteurization process. And I just gave you a cooler of milk for free, so. Man, that's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. It also is just so, ooh, I feel like I just got punched in the gut a little bit <laughs> to think about a family stuck in the NICU and they have to worry about finances of how they're going to feed their baby from this donor mm -hmm. milk. It's a little shitty that the hospitals don't just give you donor now, milk. Now, the hospitals will give it to them if they are in the NICU. They get it while they're Got in it. the NICU. Okay. It is once they leave the hospital that they would have to start paying for the donor milk 
or like I said, here in Georgia, they passed the, the bill where they can go and I believe get it from the hospital for free or nice. significantly reduced prices. But while they're in the hospital, they do have that donor milk for free. It's just once they leave the hospital. Okay, also, great. there are some people who I forgot. There was another. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over the place. No. <laughs> um, I have had people reach out to me about donor milk as well because their child is not even always a baby, but their child has like a G tube. And breast milk is the only thing that they're able to drink. Um, those people too, you know, need access to milk. And there, there's no way that they can pay $3.33 an ounce uh, for milk either. That is insane. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, this is such a double-edged sword. I don't think I was expecting the emotions of this conversation. <laughs> and on one hand, it's really awesome that this, uh, system exists in terms of its mission and what it's trying to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. Connect people who have strong supplies and have extra milk to people who need it. Mm -hmm. um, but on the very other side of that coin, it's like, wow, there's a lot of like great area. Well, profit. just abused and people mm -hmm. taking advantage of other people and things being taken from our community and then not not given back. yeah <clears throat> not given back to our community you know mm -hmm. it's definitely why some people are more advocates for the peer-to-peer -peer because it. it is usually mama to mama yeah. it is somebody that's super grateful that you are able to step in and help them um, and then somebody else that's super grateful to be able to help somebody. Like I've even had yeah. clients who were like, I was on the receiving end of donor milk the first time. And here I am with the second baby. And now I have the oversupply. So I'm so happy to be able to help somebody the way that I needed help previously. Um, those situations tend to be more, I don't even know the word, but it, it, it makes more sense peer to peer. Um, now some people will say, oh, well, you have to worry about if it's peer to peer, are they actually giving you breast milk? Because it's those people who can be greedy and they may say, hey, this is 50% breast milk, 50% almond milk, you know, or whatever, 50% formula, because somebody just really wanted more money and be able to sell it instead of, um, actually having breast milk. So there are, of course, you know, issues, there are things that could arise but usually it is on a trust system and I haven't seen any issues arise on my own capacity from moms sharing milk yeah that's amazing okay great so kind of on that same line of things kind of you know going bad you mentioned scams earlier mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about some common scams that you see when people start to enter this world of donor milk um, what are some things that they should be aware of in terms of purchasing donor milk or just creating this relationship? I would say creating a relationship is probably the best place that you want to start because if you can find that person who anytime you need milk, you know that you can trust that they're going to be able to, you know, provide it for you. That is the ideal situation. Um, if you are somebody who's constantly having to look for new people, then you definitely need to just be aware of 
their circumstances, what's going on. Um, there have been people that say, well, hey, I got, this wasn't even breast milk at all. And she sold me this and I was giving my baby this and I took him to the doctor and found out that it was infamil or, or something like that. Um, and the people are just, you know, money hungry. So there are, of course, like I said, scams. And some people also are worried about it becoming like fetishized. Um, there are people who reach out wanting donor milk because they're those people who, I don't even know what it's called, but have the, the I guess the, they want to be a baby. And they will reach out to them because they want breast milk. And some people are like, absolutely not. I'm not selling <laughs> milk to you. Um, somebody else may, you know, be okay with, you know, their milk being used that way. And other people who purchased it are like bodybuilders. A lot of bodybuilders. I've heard purchase, of that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them purchase breast milk also. So um, if you're able to get it from somebody who, I guess, sells milk or donates milk often and they can have reviews or people saying hey I got milk from her blah blah, blah. go go with that person um usually if it's donated versus sold you can usually count on the person actually giving you what they're <laughs> giving you because they're not even trying to make a profit from it um and then I guess there are lab tests if you want to look into that too to just verify but I'm pretty sure that is pricey, mm -hmm. but there are options. But I would definitely tell you to start with trying to either reach out to somebody who is in your friend group or in your family first. Um, secondly, try to find somebody that you can build a relationship with. Um, and then thirdly, I would say um, utilize, like I said, Utterly. Utterly has that um, the capability for people to like leave reviews. <laughs> so if nice. a person is like, hey, I got 60 ounces from Sterling and it was exactly blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, don't buy milk from this person because she gave me Infamil in a bag. So it, it definitely makes sense if you're able to just kind of, hopefully, you know, just hope that moms would do the right thing, but um, just be aware of that there could be scams. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh my goodness. I have loved this conversation. This has been fascinating. Okay. If anybody wanted to work with you, so you, you do work with, with donors and, and with donor milk, but you do mm -hmm. a variety of other things. So tell I us do. about the services that you have and how people can connect with you if they were interested in working with you. Okay. So I do home visits. So if you're in the Metro Atlanta area, um, if you're about a 40 minute drive away from Atlanta, I can come to you. I provide that service because I have three children and I know what it's like to have just had a baby and I'm still bleeding. And now I have to put clothes on me and put clothes on the baby, put you in the car and try to take you to an appointment. And it's a whole thing. So I come <laughs> to my mamas because I see most of my clients for the first time between days two and seven. And I want you at home. I don't want you out <laughs> coming to my office or anything like that. So I do home visits. But for the people who are out of my area of scope, I, I well, not area of scope, but for the people who are out of my mile radius, I do virtual breastfeeding meetings as well. Um, those are one hour on Zoom. And I'm really good at supporting mamas virtually as well. Um, I teach doulas how to support their breastfeeding clients. 
so that when they refer their clients to me, we're giving the people the same information. It's not like, oh, my doula told me this, and now here you are telling me that everything my doula told me was wrong. So I teach doulas how to support their breastfeed clients. Um, and I have an educational breastfeeding coloring book where for people to color um, and learn about breastfeeding in their own likeness, I'll say that. So when I first got into lactation, um, a lot of the, the literature and things were very much white breast and pink nipples. And I was like, how can I explain <laughs> to people who don't have white breasts and pink nipples what this looks like? Um, so I created the book so that they can color it in their own image so they can see themselves in breastfeeding literature. Um, what else do I do? Where can they get that? Where can they get your coloring book? It's on Amazon. It's called Facts and Tips for Mother and Child. That's awesome. So yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, I think that's, oh, oh, actually. I have a walk. <laughs> I have a breastfeeding walk. It is once a year. It is. It takes up so much of my time, but it is during Black Breastfeeding Week. It is called the Golden Bowl Breastfeeding Walk. Um, and I provide so much stuff <laughs> to these new and expected mamas. They come out, they can connect with local health and wellness vendors in the area. They are able, it is free. They come, they can come out. They uh, will have this year, the theme is support is a verb. So they can come out and get like mini pamper sessions that I'll have a toddler play area, an inflatable. Um, we have some amazing companies that have donated a lot of stuff to be raffled off. So I have people that come up and they're like, I'm spending $300 on raffle tickets. I want to walk away with everything. Um, and we just kind of bring awareness to breastfeeding. When I was a first-time breastfeeding mom, I did not have anybody that I could talk to that I felt like understood what was going on. So I pretty much created the community that I wish I would have had when I was starting out breastfeeding. Yeah. I think that's all I do. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Sterling, you are like such a wealth of knowledge. I had to stop myself multiple times in this conversation from like veering too far to the left or the it's right, okay. or like, you know, doing a U-turn, like, oh, we got to go down this path. I'm so grateful that you joined me today. This has been a really awesome conversation. And I hope that it's something that will add to our listeners toolbox. Um, it doesn't mean donor milk is right for you, but certainly don't write it off before you explore that option if you get into a place where uh, you need to make it in your in your feeding journey yeah mm -hmm. for sure for sure exactly um truly thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me and look if you you got more questions we can always do this again oh my gosh i love that so much okay tell us before we leave where can people find you on instagram they can find me at Loyal Lactation. So that is L-O-Y-A-L Lactation, L-A-C-T-A-T-I-O-N. That's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Threads. All of that is Loyal Lactation. All the places. The All the places. Threads. Woo. Oh, my goodness. All I right, haven't completely guys. figured that one out yet. No, me neither. And I am, um, you know, I'm so angry at myself for giving into the FOMO of, I, I wish I had never downloaded it. I don't even like it. And now I feel the social pressure to perform over on that yep. app. Yep. 
same same all right you guys thanks so much for hanging out with us today it is always such a blast to get to hang with you if you're listening on the podcast head over to youtube and if you're watching on youtube hello go see us on the podcast otherwise head over to instagram and follow us on tranquility by hehe and the dot birth dot lounge until next time bye Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.